welcome to the Wesley Memorial Podcast. Join us this Sunday at 1225 Chestnut Drive in High Point. Visit us on the web at wesleymemorial.org. Now here is this week's message. For the morning is Psalm 27. We're continuing in our sermon series for the beginning of this year where we are helping each other find joy. Today we'll be talking about finding joy in the midst of fear. Thank you for singing that hymn that you just sang, Give to the Winds Thy Fears. You perhaps noticed at the bottom of that hymn, you see that that was a hymn that was translated by John Wesley. Of course, Charles, his brother, wrote thousands of hymns. John did not really write any hymns, but he found a few particular hymns in the German language that he was so moved by that he translated those German hymns into English for the people called Methodists. So, so thank you for seeing that hymn. I'm sure that it blessed the heart of John Wesley for us to be singing a hymn that was important to him. Again, our text is Psalm 27. You may not be one of those people that seeks to memorize scripture, but I encourage you to consider becoming one of those people, particularly here with Psalm 27. Psalm 27 is a tremendous psalm that can become a declaration for us that we can use, we can repeat at significant times in our lives. So Psalm 27, and I'll be reading the first five verses. Hear David's declaration. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and foes, they shall stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise up against me, yet I will be confident. One thing, David says one thing, I ask of the Lord that I will seek after, to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will hide me high on a rock. Church, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Would you pray with me? Holy Spirit, we dare to ask that even right now in these moments, you will do a fresh work in our lives. We have brought ourselves before you in humble obedience. We have come seeking your presence. We have come offering our lives to you in worship. And we pray that you will receive our efforts and allow your spirit to change us today. May we walk out of this place in a few moments a different people 
than we were when we walked into this place. May we trust you to do a new work in our lives. May we trust you for the living of these days. God, I humbly ask that you will even allow me to be a vessel at your service this morning. I pray, God, that you'll use my voice to help us hear your voice. Help me to speak exactly those words you would have me to speak. No more, no less, and nothing else. In the saving, delivering name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. So church, is fear ever a good thing? Maybe. Maybe. Uh, in a couple weeks or so, I'll be leaving with a large group of people going again to the Holy Land on pilgrimage. And there's one particular spot there in the north of Israel, surrounding the Sea of Galilee, that always grabs my attention. And we may be going there. It's the Cliffs of Arbel. The Cliffs of Arbel are set high above the Sea of Galilee. And from atop the cliffs of Arbel, you can see the whole Sea of Galilee region. The cliffs of Arbel rise 1,300 feet above the Sea of Galilee. So it's a magnificent sight up there. But anytime I go with a group up to the top of the cliffs of Arbel, I'm also very mindful of those cliffs and how steep they are and how high they are. And there's no railing there on the edge of the cliffs. And uh, I don't get anywhere close to the edge of those cliffs. And as a matter of fact, don't tell the people who are traveling with me, but if they get close to the edge of the cliffs of Arbel, I turn around and look the other direction. They make me nervous if they get close, close to the edge of the cliffs of Arbel. So maybe you could say fear is a good thing at that point. But I actually even refuse to call that fear. I, I call it common sense. I call it a healthy respect of danger. I refuse to call it fear because I'm not giving in to fear. And I hope you'll join me in that declaration this morning. You know, the only thing I can think of that may be a good byproduct of fear is when fear sends us fleeing into the presence of God. Otherwise, I cannot even think of a good byproduct of fear. But sometimes when life is intimidating us, and, and for all of us, life intimidates us to a certain extent, hopefully we refuse to accept that gift from the world, that gift from life, and perhaps it will send us fleeing into the secure presence of God in our life. You know, there's so much that life brings us that seeks to engender fear in each one of us. There's the fear of rejection, the fear of being misunderstood, the fear of uncertainty, the fear of sickness, the fear of harm coming to those that we love, the fear perhaps even of death. But we need to be a people of faith and not a people of fear. When I look at the Bible, one of the things I notice from the Scriptures is that the opposite of fear is not courage. 
Because you can actually act in courage even when you're filled with fear. So the opposite of fear is not courage. They can go together sometime. The opposite of fear in the Bible is faith. And when I look at the scriptures and I look at the history of God's people for the last 2,000 plus years, one of the things I notice is that we really are presented a choice in life. We can live our lives centered on faith, or we can live our lives centered on the fears that life brings us. We need to remember, probably on a daily basis, if not moment-by-moment basis, that fear is one of the great tools that God uses in our lives to draw us closer to God. Fear is one of the great tools of the devil. Faith can bring great freedom to us in life. Fear can bring paralysis and bondage to us in life. So we need to be people that know the freedom that comes from faith that allows us to live fearlessly in this world. I struggle to not ever be a fearful person. I want to be one of those people that's known as someone that is not afraid to attack hell with a water pistol. And I hope you too will be one of those people. When we think of all the promises that are ours in Jesus Christ, that should engender great, great faith in us. And it should help us deal with all the fears that this life wants to bring to us. If you were to ask me what is my favorite psalm, I might shock you by not saying Psalm 23. Psalm 23, of course, is a tremendous psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, therefore I shall lack nothing. It is a tremendous psalm, a tremendous affirmation of faith. But I don't know that I would list Psalm 23 as my favorite psalm. I think some people just automatically say Psalm 23 because that's perhaps the only psalm they really know well. But I would say to you that my favorite psalm is Psalm 27. And I've used that psalm throughout my life and so many times. And perhaps I just need Psalm 27 worse than some of you. Sometimes I struggle with fear. Sometimes I struggle with worry. I was raised, perhaps like some of you, I was raised by a a mother who was wonderful in so many ways. But one of the things my mother did was to um, instill fear in me about a lot of things. I can't swim today because I never got close enough to water to swim because my mother always instilled fear in me of water and other things. So I've had to work hard in my life to overcome fears, the fears that will prevent me from being the kind of person that God is calling me to be in Jesus Christ. Perhaps that's the reason Psalm 27 is so important to me. Psalm 27 is one of those psalms in the Psalter that is attributed to King David. And perhaps you know the story, the stories of King David. There's much in David's life that could have caused him to be fearful. I think about the, the times he was hiding from King Saul before David was crowned king. I think about the ways he had to, to run and hide from King Saul. I think about how King David to be King David, hid in, a, in caves to get away from King Saul. There was a lot in David's life that could have grown fear in David's life. I think about how David literally 
had armies coming against him after he became the ruler of Israel. And sometimes those armies that came against him were armies of his enemies. Sometimes those armies were being led by people that David loved. Like when his son Absalom rebelled against him and raised up an army against his father David. So David had a lot of opportunities to confront fear and to refuse to accept the fear. And I think out of those moments in David's life, we find the origin of Psalm 27. I invite you to look with me again at just the first five verses of Psalm 27. I hope that you can find this psalm or parts of this psalm that can become declarations for you. Even if it's just small parts of this psalm that you can commit to memory and use in those moments of life when you need to banish fear. Look with me again at Psalm 27. He starts out with a tremendous affirmation, declaration. He says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold. You can translate that refuge of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? He's asking himself this rhetorical question. And he knows the answer is, There is no one I should fear. There is no one of whom I shall be afraid. Because he's professing his faith in in his God as light, light in the darkness. He's professing faith in his God as salvation, the deliverer in the midst of trial and tribulation. He's professing that his Lord is his stronghold and refuge. And David, over the course of his life, learned how to flee into the presence of God, the stronghold, the refuge of his life. And then he says in verse 2, and I think verse 2 is very much based on the life of David. He says, when evildoers assail me, to devour my flesh. And there's an interesting word in the Hebrew here that's translated devour my flesh. There's a word here in the Hebrew that literally is an allusion toward not those who seek to harm us physically, but toward those who seek to devour us with their words, their language, their speech about us. And as a matter of fact, the Hebrew word is akin to what we do in English when we talk about a person being a, a backbiter. They're not really biting our backs, but we know what that means. When somebody is giving themselves to backbiting, they're just talking about us. They're talking about other people. They're attacking other people with their words. So the Hebrew word here might be talking about that, but I'm sure in David's life, he experienced people coming against him in so many different ways, with their language, with their armies, with their politics. That's why he affirms, when evildoers assail me, in all the ways that evildoers can assail me to devour my flesh, he says, my adversaries and my foes, they shall stumble and fall. Not David, but they shall stumble and fall. And then he says in verse 3, though an army encamp against me, and he's by referencing literal armies at this point. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise up against me, yet I will be confident. If you can't set this psalm to memory, I offer you these two affirmations. And perhaps in those long sleepless nights when fear is knocking on your door, you can offer these affirmations over and over and over. My heart shall not fear. My heart shall not fear. I will be confident. I will be confident. 
you know, it really matters the words that we use. The words that we use can create the reality of our life. That's why it's important to learn how to declare the truth. So I hope that you find it useful at points in your life to just repeat, my heart shall not fear, I will be confident. Confident in God. Confident in what God is doing in my life. And then notice he begins to shift his emphasis in Psalm 27, here at the beginning of verse 4. As he's thinking about dealing with fear, dealing with all who come against him, he says, one thing I ask of the Lord. Church, let me ask you a question. If you were like physically in the presence of Jesus Christ right now, what would be the one thing you would ask of the Lord? Notice David's one thing. It's important that we get our one things right, our first things right. David says in verse 4, one thing I ask of the Lord, that will I seek after, to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. I don't think David is saying to God, the one thing I want above all else in life is to stay in the tabernacle forever. In David's day, there was no temple. He had the tabernacle. Uh, they had grown up plans for the temple that would come one day under his son Solomon. So perhaps he's looking forward to that temple, and he's saying, I hope to stay in that temple a lot. But he's not saying, I want to spend my life in the tabernacle or in the temple or in the sanctuary of a church. What he's asking for his church, the one thing he wants above all else is to experience consciously the presence of God in his life. He wants to live in the house of the Lord all the days of his life. He wants to behold the beauty of the Lord. That word beauty in the Hebrew is used in another psalm and usually translated the pleasures of the Lord. He wants to consciously experience the presence of God. He wants to know the pleasures and the beauty of the Lord in an experiential way. He just don't want to hear about those things secondhand. He wants to experience them himself. He wants to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. He wants to live in the presence of God. The greatest antidote to fear is the experienced presence of God in our lives. It's the presence of God reminding us of the promises of God that can banish the fear from our lives. So that's what he says he wants to seek after. And then he goes back to Another great declaration, he says, For God will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will set me high up on a rock, high up on a rock where no one can get to me. David understood what it felt like to be hid in the shelter of God. David understood what it felt like to find security in the cover of the tent the tenting of God over our lives. David understood what it felt like to be set by God on a high rock above all the turmoil of this life, above the sea crashing into us in this life. I hope that you know God is light, salvation, stronghold, refuge. Hope that you know that God can be your shelter, your cover, and can set you on a high rock. I hope that you know that 
cognitively with your brain, but I hope that you take the journey from your brain to your heart, and I hope that you have experienced those things in your life. I suspect, church, that some of you are in this place today, right now, at this moment, because God really wants you to hear what God says in Psalm 27, and then throughout the Bible, about banishing fear and not allowing the world around us to intimidate us into being the kind of people that God doesn't want us to be. I've not counted, I think it was Rick Warren who first said years ago that there are 365 do not be afraids in the Bible, one for every day of the year. I don't know if there's actually 365, but there's a lot in the Bible. Constant, constant commands to not fear. Because the opposite of fear is faith. We need to build our lives on faith and not build our lives on fear. I hope that we can hear David declaring the words of this psalm to our hearts today. I hope that we can hear Jesus saying to us, as Jesus says in the Gospels, do not fear those who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul. You know, the worst thing anybody can do to us in this world is to take our life. And if they do that, they are simply ushering us more fully in the, to the presence of God. So Jesus can say to us, do not fear those who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul. At another place in the Gospels, Jesus gently says to us, Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father is pleased to give you the kingdom and all that that means. Hope we can hear Paul saying to us today, as Paul says in Romans 8, If God be for us, who can be against us? And again, that's a rhetorical question. We know the answer to that. If God be for us, it doesn't matter who's against us. If we have God on our side, then the world can only do so much to us. So Paul could say that in Romans 8, and Paul could make that an affirmation of faith and a way to banish fear. If God be for us, who can be against us? And then John in the first epistle of John, and you've heard this said a couple times already this morning, reminds us that perfect love casts out fear. Church, I hope that right now as you're sitting in this place, you can feel that love of God feeling you. I hope that you can experience the great affection of God for you, and you allow that great, great love of God for you to cast out, to banish all fear. So church, may you truly know, know, God is your light, your deliverance, your stronghold, your refuge, so that you can go forth from this place and find the freedom to live fearlessly and to show the world around us what it means to live fearlessly, to live a faith-centered life. You know, here at Wesley Memorial Church, I assume you know this, here at Wesley Memorial Church, we, we love everyone, we welcome everyone, we accept everyone, but we don't necessarily affirm or celebrate everyone's behavior. We're here together 
to help each other on this journey. And we try to help each other change some behaviors. And one of those behaviors that we try to change is fear-based living. So we're on this journey together. And we accept one another just as we are, just as God accepts us just as we are. But we should refuse to leave one another. We should refuse to leave ourselves where we are and let God woo us into a new life in so many ways. But one of those ways can be finding the gift, the freedom of living fearlessly. May we display to the world around us what it means to banish fear and to truly live by faith.